This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Hobby Lobby. Wishing you a happy Thanksgiving and a peaceful, uneventful Black Friday. It's Hobby Lobby. I'm Bootsy Collins. And I'm Peter Hernandez. And this is Ear Buddies. Bro, who is Peter Hernandez? Well, Tim, I didn't look it up, so I'm not entirely sure that I have the name right, but I think it's Bruno Mars's real name. Holy cow. Am I right? I... I... You are you are exactly right. I didn't. Well, I just thought his name was first name Bruno, last name Mars. <laughs> <laughs> no parents are that cool. That guy's name is Peter. It is. Yeah, that's Pete. Now you know, that's Pete. Yeah, little little Petey. Folks, today we're talking about Pete. Must have spent thirty five, forty five thousand up in chicken days. Busy time of year, Matt. A lot of lot of hot, fresh new music coming out all at once. Uh, so we we talked about Red, but on the same day, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pock released an evening with Silk Sonic. Hard to think of a more different album from Red Taylor's version. Uh, it's a gentle nine-track album, uh, so it does not ask very much of your time. Uh, it is a soul throwback uh, experience, and I'm curious about uh, what you think about it, Matt. You know, I really, I really appreciate it. Mm. Um. I, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of like the Philly sound necessarily. I don't, yeah, spend a lot of time uh, listening to that on my, on my off time. But um, this sounds real good. You know, it just it's it sounds really really good. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds, dare I say, authentic um, because. Yes. Like you mentioned, this is absolutely a throw a throwback, and very intentionally so. Uh, Bruno and and Anderson and their producers and friends and bandmates, like they they recorded this. Uh, I mean, what do I mean when I say during the pandemic? But during the pandemic, and sure, and uh, apparently we're able to get a bunch of actual like, I guess period appropriate um, drum heads and congas and instruments and gear and all this stuff, uh, all this analog stuff, and it sounds like it, and it sounds, it's just, it's just lush. It's pretty easy listening, of course, oh, yeah. um, but it's great. I mean, it's great. I'm excited because I think it's bringing Anderson Pac 
uh, a little bit more pop than he typically gets. Mm-hmm. Okay, 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 okay. Now, have you ever been with a player? Take you downtown where they treat me like the mayor. Take you to the crib where you take it upstairs. What's upstairs? Shit, I'm going to show you later. Don't eat a spatula, everything catered. Extra flavor. Go ahead, sprinkle some truffle on your mashed potatoes. I'm trying to love you. Is you going to love me back? Y'all only get what you get. Ain't you ready? I will admit that I think I have more of an appetite for this kind of music than you, Matt. Yes, you do. You know, funk and soul. I grew up listening to it uh, because my dad loves that stuff, and and he kind of raised me on it. And so I, when I get a new offering of this kind of music, I gobble it up. I'm, uh, I'm all about it. So I think it rules. As you mentioned, a lot of authenticity here. We have Bootsy Collins, who is a legendary soul bass player who comes in, and he's basically just sort of jabbering through the album just mm-hmm. with his Bootsy voice. <laughs> Give it up for Bootsy Collins! Well, all right. It is I, Blaster of the Universe. Now, we could spend more time talking about, you know why they decided to pursue the pedigree of classic R&B and uh, why they why Bruno seems fixated on this type of music in the last few years mm. but i the question i would actually like to spend this episode talking about Matt is a simple one is Bruno Mars cool hmm okay uh i'm with you tim let's um Let's find out. So, again, I have to put my bias aside because I think it's very cool to <laughs> release this kind of music. But I, wanna, I want to determine if sort of the uh, listening public and, you know, the youth of the world actually think Bruno uh, is cool or if it's yeah. kind of embarrassing dad music. That's my... Yeah. So... Okay, great. So I think to start, we should go back to Bruno as we met him back in 2010 uh, with his album Doo-Wops and Hooligans, uh, which is a very different listening experience than Silk Sonic. Oh, her eyes, her eyes make the stars look like they're not shining. Her hair, her hair falls perfectly without her trying. She's so beautiful. Every day. Matt, was this album cool at the time? The thing was, if we if we can if we can jump in our little time machine and go back all those years. Yes. As I recall, mm-hmm. it wasn't cool so much as it was on the radio and people liked yes. it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think the album itself. Uh, really had any like real cool cred, but it did very, very well and made Bruno, I guess, close enough to a, a household name. Like he yeah. he rocketed to fame with that, and you know before he had just been producing. Um, he's I mean he's a phenomenal producer, but I think he took this shot at pop stardom. Um, and crushed it and it is very very i mean this is this is pop music her laugh 
she hates, but I think it's so sexy. She's so beautiful, and I tell her every day. Oh yeah, man, this is uh, yeah, this song. This song. We learned quickly that Bruno has an excellent voice, great range, and I think you're right, it was very radio-friendly, but I'm not sure if you could call it cool, and I don't know if we're going to properly define cool. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about that because I know how important it is to define terms. However, uh, I feel like we know what we mean. I, I guess know. I just sort of mean, do the young folks like it? That's basically it. That's what I'm asking. Is it adult contemporary or sure. is it cool kid pop? And I'm going to say that at the time, it was a respectable mix. I think it was. This is such inoffensive music, mm, right? Like, yep. I mean. The lazy song? Come on. <laughs> Today I don't feel like doing anything. I just wanna lay in my bed. So I think that he had pretty broad appeal, but was a little bit formless at this point. Yeah. I think I think looking back at it, if you are a Gen Zer or something and and you decide, I want to go see what Bruno Mars' first album was like. You probably pull that up and go, this is not that great. Yeah. I don't think it aged super well. I think that Bruno was very, well, at least 2010 Bruno, was very much a product of the time. And I say that because I fully agree. I think it, it was formless. He was kind of, he wasn't so much as so much like hopping through different genres as he was just kind of taking shots at whatever was catchy and inoffensive enough and would get radio play and in saying that I don't want it like the songs are good I mean they're yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're good yeah. songs but they um, they're not really timeless um they're not I don't even think they're really like classics, you know, at this and I point. Think, right. I think that I, I don't hold that against him. I agree with you totally. Great point. I think it's a product of the times. It it aged kind of the way like I don't know, Tayo Cruz aged, yep. which is yep. like eh, I don't know. It it feels very twenty ten. Yes, it exactly. It it feels very twenty ten. And in saying that it aged like it didn't age poorly. It didn't age poorly like um, I knew you were trouble by Taylor Swift aged poorly. You know, yes, like right, that. Right. If you if you attach yourself so uh, <laughs> so closely with one genre, even if you're just screwing around, like with dubstep, like that, yeah. that's gonna sound like it was recorded in the year it was recorded. But like Bruno at the time was just one of many sort of formless to use that word again pop stars who uh, mm-hmm. 
We're making a lot of money and going, uh, you know, getting great radio play. And I guess that's all I can really say about him back then. Right. And he's doing features on like B.O.B. tracks and Travi McCoy. I remember. Yeah. I mean, he, he would right. show up wherever he was putting a lot of work in. He was hustling. He was hustling. Then 2012 rolls around and the formlessness starts to go away and we get uh, a fairly strong commitment to like the R&B throwback sound with his album Unorthodox Jukebox. Give me your, give me your, give me your attention, baby. I gotta tell you a little something about yourself. You know, funky bass lines. He's leaning into that side of his voice. Um, and this is where the question of coolness gets really interesting to me. Mm. This direction of moving towards a funky thing, a funky vibe, um, you know, that spoke to me personally. And so I know that I'm not the best judge of coolness here. I want to know what you thought about this era of Bruno. Yeah, okay. So I think, I mean, I also was into it. Um, and to be honest, at that point with Unorthodox Jukebox, it felt like Bruno had more control over um, his art and image, etc., than he had had um, with his first album. Um, it seems, it seemed then, and it seems now, like that was what Bruno wanted to do, right? And yes. and I think that comes across. I guess my thought is that that kept like treasure this song was on the radio uh, I don't know how well it did but it did well and mm -hmm. kept, I mean and the album did well and Bruno was a little bit on the vanguard of kind of I don't want to say necessarily disco but kind of retro um, beats and sounds coming back onto onto the charts a little bit yeah yeah also around this time you get Justin Timberlake doing uh, the 2020 experience mm -hmm. you get uh, Daft Punk basically making a retro disco album yes exactly. the next year exactly. so I, I think I think it's safe to say that he saw that trend coming and knew that he was well suited for it yes and and I think uh, as well as uh, being smart about it it feels like that that may have been a more natural turn for him than, for example, something like the Lazy Song or yeah. uh, featuring on on other artist tracks. Like, uh, it made a lot of sense. And and too, I think this may have been around the time when I guess people started to realize kind of what Bruno's deal was and mm -hmm. and when i say that i mean like he is a very talented producer and singer and writer and more than that like 
a performer. Like he is a showman. He is, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Dick Clark's bandstand. Like that. He's got a band with him. They're wearing uh, matching suits. They have moves. They've got steps. They. He's very, very like. He's just a classic showman in that sense. Uh, and that I think this kind of music at least gave him a chance to be more like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I know, you know, we didn't all go see him in concert, um, but there was clearly, he was clearly well-suited for this kind of thing. Um, but to come back around, I don't know if that was cool. I think it probably was because, like you said, Daft Punk, Justin Timberlake, like that's what people were listening to. Um, yes. He was right there in the thick of it. So I think people appreciated it maybe more than uh, than his debut album. But again, with cool, hard to say. So, and maybe the most important pivot point here. And I think the song that's going to help me formulate my position on on this question is Uptown Funk. Yep. Uptown Funk was so important. 2014. It spent 14 weeks at number one, which was the uh, which tied the second longest run in uh, in Billboard chart history. It had insane staying power. It won Record of the Year at the Grammys. It's it, it's a great song. It's very fun. Again, that was 2014. Today, Matt, do you know what I associate this song with? Um, wedding receptions? Yes, wedding receptions and corporate events. There you go. Yep. It's right. it it's the perfect song for adults who want to feel cool who want to feel cool I think that and I don't know if this is Bruno's fault or not it just hit this sweet spot of inoffensive fun and catchy Mm -hmm. that anyone could grab onto and enjoy and just like Facebook before it was overwhelmed with the olds that's yeah that's very interesting and i think once you think about it it's an easy it's easy to get to that point i mean maybe some of it is because it is you know somewhat retro or whatever fine Mm -hmm. but there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with this song right nothing wrong with it uh and it's very very easy to get all you party people out on the floor whether you are at a sort of sales conference or a an acquaintance's wedding reception yes. um, with a tune like this. And, but this, actually, now that I'm thinking about that, um, 
this is another good example as well because we keep talking about lyrics and I might as well dive in here. I think please like Bruno has never really said anything. <laughs> totally. No. Right? He's and I don't think he wants to. I think he's yeah, more his biggest his biggest lyrical uh you know step forward was was the lazy song. Just saying that he didn't want to he didn't want to do anything. Right. That's the, that's as close as, you know, forming sort of a a unique personality as we've gotten right. from him. Um, <laughs> that's but as again, far out on a limb as he'll go. Right. Yeah. But that's I mean that's a real sort of uh, entertainer thing to do. He's he's mm-hmm. allowing himself to be a blank canvas. And yes. if you, I mean, all of his songs, I'm gonna say all, are. It's just really easy to get on board. And why wouldn't yeah. you, right? Because he's yeah. not he's not hurting anyone's feelings. He's not even uh, saying anything. Well, important or at all. Like, you know, we we talk about just talked about uh, Taylor Swift mm-hmm. and sort of the the rabid fan base that she has is due in very very large part to her lyrics um, but I mean Tim name me one big Bruno Mars head that you know who's who's riding hard for Bruno I don't like wedding DJs that I don't yeah, know there nobody. you go nobody nobody really cares um, and it's it's really great in a sense because uh, he's so kind of far removed from all the all the emotional muck of being like you know a, a, an acclaimed songwriter or lyricist or whatever, and he's just making songs to kind of get you get you up and dancing or yep. uh, to have a, a nice evening listening to. Like you don't, it's all right there on the surface. And this is not, again, this is not to take away from his talent, uh, but I think he's more, he truly is more concerned with the the music and the sonics yes. and the production and everything else um, than really anything else. He wants you to feel, well, I was going to say a certain way. I think he just wants you to feel good. Yeah. Near, I, the end. I think, that's, I think you nailed it, dude. I, I think the association of uptown funk with seeing your parents, you know, shaking their booties on the dance floor at your cousin's wedding and sort of that sinking feeling you might get observing that as, as a young person. Um, (laughs) I think that that is kind of the engine behind my feeling that Bruno is not really cool. Yeah. And that's not his, that's not his fault. But after the success of Uptown Funk, he releases his next album, 24 Karat Magic, which is basically an album of Uptown Funks. Yep. It's just grooves. It's retro. It's vibey. Mm-hmm. It's funky. It's It feels really fun. Put your pinky razor to the moon. Girls, what y'all trying to do? It, it foreshadows the release of the Silk Sonic album, I think, very nicely. Um, and again, this album, hugely successful. It won Album of the Year at the Grammys. Um, because it sounds great. It sounds great. It does sound great, yeah. Your question of, like, who really is a fan, 
I don't consider myself like a dedicated fan, but that's because no. there's not a lot to invest in. He right. just gives you everything and yep. says, go ahead and dance, have fun, I'll see you in three years, and I'll release some more stuff like this, and take care. There's nothing really, in, there's nothing more to read into. Ab- no, absolutely. And, and I mean, I don't want to, I tend to kind of get be a reactionary about things like this and end up just praising him to the moon for doing that but he is I mean he is one of the very very few pop stars like functional functioning working pop stars who doesn't actually ask anything of you he really doesn't and and in comparison to artists like uh, Taylor Swift, um, Phoebe Bridgers, Kanye, um, Olivia Rodrigo, etc., 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 like these are artists who are uh, putting Easter eggs in their tweets and and you know who really want to take their fans on a journey with them. Bruno, he's here for one night, baby. It's Vegas. <laughs> to your point, let me read you a quote from an interview that he gave Rolling Stone uh, at the time of the release of 24 Karat Magic. Um, this is from the uh, from the article. Mars says he wants to make a soundtrack for a movie in his head. He sets the scene. Quote, we're in New York, summer night, the baddest rooftop house party, 2.30 in the morning. The band comes out dipped in Versace. The girls are screaming. And then the flyest lead singer the world has ever seen comes on and starts singing some shit. End quote. That's it. Is that what Bruno said? That's what Bruno said. That's, That's it. perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. That's what he wants to do. He just wants to make fun vibes, and he's really, really good at doing so. That's you know i i hadn't uh, I hadn't done any research past my own uh, what I've already heard and known about Bruno before uh, this episode. But knowing that makes me feel much better about where I'm coming down on this because, like, <laughs> he he would be pleased to know that he's understood in this way i think you know i think so too he has (laughs) it's just again i think it actually does really come back to um like his american bandstand kind of personality because yes he does not really care about anything but just kind of throwing a party i mean at, mm-hmm. If if that's what's what's in your head and you're thinking about <laughs> like a rooftop party in New York and and Versace, like yeah. oh okay little guy that's that's cute and that's <laughs> that's really fun, but I don't think that well runs that deep. Nor does it mm-hmm. need to. I'm no. fine being. I'm fine taking him, you know, meeting him where he is, and then kind of not having to worry about him anymore. <laughs> I mean, go watch the go watch the music videos for the songs from An Evening with Silk Sonic. There's Leave the Door Open, there's Skate, there's Smoking Out the Window. All of them are trying to perfectly recreate 
Salt Lake Soul Train. And yep. it's like taking a vacation listening to this music. And I um, think too, like, especially with this Silk Sonic release, um, and I mean, part of this may have something to do with the credentials of uh, Anderson Pock because he is cool. Like, that's a cool, oh, yeah. that's a cool guy, definitely. And but I think it's you know you watch those videos, like I kind of think back in the day, Bruno uh, had really beautifully. Uh, quaffed hair and it was sort of straight and gelled back and it looked great and now he's just it's just all natural he's letting it all hang out he wants to be doing this absolutely Mm -hmm. Uh, he's having a great time and the thing for me Tim is that what he is doing like finding these these rare or old instruments and this gear and 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 putting so much time and effort into uh, doing this that's really cool to me and I think yes. it probably is just cool to do that. However, uh, I don't think it really translates, uh, like you know, the how cool that is. Because again, he is a vibe curator, and uh, he's not. Again, he's not asking anyone to understand anything past that. Right. And if your reflex listening to this music is to picture your parents grooving on a wedding dance floor and that is not a cool vibe to you I get it I think that that's just as much Bruno Mars's goal with his music as uh, creating that uh, that rooftop party vibe it's it's just music <laughs> to to have fun to and not think about any far any further than that yeah so he may not be cool but he's very talented. And isn't that sort of cool? I think so. <laughs> to be yeah. really talented? <laughs> I think so, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's... Yeah, but I, I, no, I think you're right. I think there's, there are very few metrics by which he could be measured as cool. Um, but I guess, I guess while we're here, we might as well all just appreciate um, his actual work like he's a perfectionist he's a very talented producer the layers in all of his stuff but especially the silk sonic release are just gorgeous lush just phenomenal phenomenal uh i mean silk sonic best name for this group man really perfect yeah it's too good i'm i know myself and i know i'm gonna spend a lot more time with this album than I will with the Red re-release. And, and it's just because this is my vibe. Like, yeah. I will more thoroughly engage with Red, but sometimes you just want to have fun listening to music, you know? And and sometimes it's all about the tunes. And this is, I mean, this Bruno is a guy who knows that, that it is all about the tunes. That's exactly it. He gets it. This guy gets it. Uh, so there you go. That's Bruno Mars. We don't know if he's cool. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Ear Buddies. We'll continue in a moment. Okay. I'm a little girl. 
This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Hobby Lobby. It's the place you go for arts, for crafts, for home decor, uh, and just for a wholesome good time. But Matt. Hey. Now this is unusual. I don't know if this has ever happened. On our show, at least. Hobby Lobby reaches out. It's almost Thanksgiving. Uh, Hobby Lobby reaches out to us and says, Hey, instead of telling folks why we are the destination for party supplies, fabrics, arts and crafts materials, etc. We would like you to hop on mic and tell everybody to just stay home and relax with your family on this Thanksgiving and even on Black Friday. Enough with the consumerism. Let's just get back to what matters in life, and that is eating food and and sitting around. (laughs) And, okay, so I apologize, Tim. I didn't see the email, but they... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's all they're asking for? They just want us to... They kind of want to sponsor a message of of American togetherness and and um, staying at home? And anti-capitalism, yes. They would like to, uh, to drive folks away from the hustle and bustle of the holiday shopping season and instead into the uh, loving embrace of those who matter most to you in life. <laughs> Wow, that is a classy move from Hobby Lobby. I I love Hobby Lobby uh, full stop, but let me go on. I love Hobby Lobby, comma, because they care about me and you and all of us. Yeah, man. yeah. Well, that's that's clear even in their day-to-day operations. I mean, they're not open on Sundays so that you can go to church yeah. with your family. All day, yes. Yeah, all day. That's, right. that's classy. I love a store that recognizes that it's important for a person to go to church at 8 a.m. and leave at 8 p.m. on <laughs> Sunday. No time for shopping. Well, some sometimes they get long, and and even if not, even if it's just a regular short church service, Tim, you don't want to have in the back of your mind you're in the house of the Lord, um, yes, or whomever, um, and and yeah. you're worshiping. Your hands are in the air, uh, yes, and you're there's a sense of community about you, and. You don't want in the back of your mind to think, ah, I've got I've to rush to the store after this. I don't have time right, a big for... sale in it. Yeah, yeah I don't have time big for sale donuts today. and fellowship after this. The big sale ends today. Um, and that's what Hobby Lobby is trying to, um, I guess, caution everyone against. Um, mm-hmm. And especially this Thanksgiving season, you think about... Um, you think about family. You think about mm. the ones who are nearest and dearest to your heart. And Hobby Lobby gets that. They know. They, do. they know that it's far more important to simply be among loved ones, eating some turkey, 
some cranberry sauce, some mashed potatoes, watching the football game, having a debating the reality of climate change. Yeah, talking about the death penalty. Right, abortion. Exactly. Yeah, that is a better use of everyone's time than stampeding your way to some big box realtor camping outside to get the new PlayStation? No, no, no. This is American consumerism run amok. And Hobby Lobby bravely, bravely has stepped up and said, enough, not on our watch. Afterwards, look, the Saturday after, they're open. You can go get your pipe cleaners and your little elephant granite statues (laughs) to put in your bathroom. Right? You can get some picture frames to put photos of your your family in that's that's that'll all still be there but for right now just like the first thanksgiving we are all going to come together <laughs> pilgrims and indigenous people alike some of us will be wearing yes. hats with buckles on them <laughs> and some of us yes will be wearing Headdresses, perhaps. It depends on who you are. Just be careful with that. And I would say... Right. That Please be careful. <laughs> I would say that that sort of community and that sort of mm-hmm. warmth is what built America and what made that first Thanksgiving so darn special. Matt, for not having read the uh, instructions from our sponsor, I mean, you you really... <laughs> is that what they wanted? ...stepped up to the plate. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, look, it means a lot to me, Tim. I mean, this is, a, this is America, you know? Right. We have 364 other days in the year when you can, uh, you know, put the almighty dollar first. But for once in your gosh darn life, would you just put your loved ones first? Will you just... Stop perusing that flyer, the 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 mailer you got that that tells you what the deals are. What's more important than deals, Matt? I have a few I have a few answers. Uh and I would start with God, yeah, country, <laughs> and yeah. family. Well, those are the three. I mean, those are the three, Tim. You nailed it. You absolutely wow home run but that's that's what life is about and it's not like yeah we're just hobby lobby and we here at ear buddies are not asking you to uh remove yourself from civilized society and go live in the woods we are simply saying for one day come on one day please right please be with your family your friends even maybe you don't know, we don't know how long we have these people in our lives. Yes. And we need to Thank take you. advantage of of the gift that we've been given by God in America <laughs> with these people that we love. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, by the way, don't don't use this opportunity to uh, uh, throw your whataboutism in, in our faces. Listen, uh, Hobby Lobby gave back those artifacts uh, that were intended for the Museum of the Bible that were looted from Iraq. They gave that stuff back, okay? So, before you get on your high horse about uh, 
rampant consumerism and and sort of the hoarding of priceless goods uh, done on the part of Hobby Lobby, I would just just ask you to uh, get up to speed. Uh, all eleven thousand five hundred artifacts have been returned to Egypt and Iraq. That many, huh? <laughs> well, listen. Uh, yes. Huh. And, and they even paid a $3 million fine. Oh, well, that's a classy move, Hobby Lobby. It's a classy <laughs> move. But yeah, Tim, thank you You know, for but, bringing look, that up. Hey, fr- and frankly, even if it were Black Friday, if someone came up to you and said, I have a cuneiform tablet, and it could be yours, I mean... Who among you, us? You would be... You'd be crazy to turn it down. Yeah. Yeah. That, Any day of the year. It's just, look, honest mistake. We've all... <laughs> we've all we've all got some things that don't belong to us. I'm wearing my friend's shirt right now. It's, you know, it's, it's not... I'll give it back to him when I'm done. Yeah. Uh, the pilgrims right. get... Well. <laughs> It's a little bit of a different story, but same. It's concept applies. The Louisiana Purchase. I mean, yeah. look, if you have something in your possession that is not rightfully yours, maybe this Thanksgiving is a good time to give it back. <laughs> you know, yeah, a Thanksgiving of restitution. It's a time for reparations, is what I would say. Thanksgiving and Black Friday. That's right. Um, and all of us. On behalf of Hobby Lobby, would like to thank you for putting your consumerism and capitalist tendencies aside on Black Friday, to be very clear. Uh, it's Hobby Lobby. They made right with with the world. Mm-hmm. And now they invite you to make right with your loved ones. It's Hobby Lobby. Welcome back to Ear Buddies. Uh, we have uh, had a lovely time, I think, talking about Pete Hernandez. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for some show and tell. Bud, yeah. why don't you kick us off? Sure. Well, Tim, I wanted to show you one of Bruno's earlier works. It's a simple tune. Uh mm. But it's got a lot going for it. It's called When I Was Your Man. Same bed, but it feels just a little bit bigger now. Our song on the radio, but it don't sound the same. When our friends talk this, about uh, all it does is just tell Yeah, this is sort of the, the requisite ballad that, uh, you know, he had to check the box off on yeah i bring it up because i that is the main reason because it's you know his ballad but i think it's interesting and i think that uh if one is to listen to this tune um yes you can really i mean you can hear a lot of bruno's just kind of raw talent in there i think when i had the chance 
take it to everybody Cause all you wanted to do was dance Now my baby's dancing But she's dancing with another man Uh... He's not hiding behind much production, not this time. Um, and I think I actually, I mean, this is, you know, it's a, it's a piano ballad. It's not going to win any more awards than it already has. But I think that uh, it's really well done. Um, the chord progressions he's using, the rhythm, um, his vocal range, obviously, you can tell that he really, even with a, a palette as small as just a piano and his voice. Um, yes. Again, I kind of come back to, well, this is sort of what Bruno would prefer to be doing, right? Because you're not hearing stuff like this mm-hmm. on doo-wop and hooligans. You, you've got nothing but kind of sugar pop all the way through there. Um, right. But this, while, of course, everyone's got to do a ballad, um, I like this one because it, it feels like a, a, a Bruno Mars joint rather than um, something that yes. was ordered up, I guess, by a label head. I, I don't mean to uh, to steal your show and tell, but let me just uh, add the fun fact that this was uh, written uh, in inspiration. The inspiration for this song was that uh, Bruno Mars was worried about losing his then-girlfriend, Jessica Cabin, who is an American fashion model and actress. Well, I mean, that's how it goes sometimes. I get it. Sometimes you just gotta write a song. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, no, nothing wrong with that. I get it. No, and it, it is a great song, and it uh, is a fabulous vocal showcase. Yeah. It, it probably gave him, helped him earn the keys to the car that let him uh, drive all the way to Parliament Funkadelic or whatever. <laughs> I would agree. There you go. So, yeah, that's that's mine. Just a, just an easy one. All the things I should have done When I was your man I would like to share uh, a, an, a Bruno Mars song and <sighs> is this evidence that he's cool or uncool, Matt? This hard, it's hard to say, but this is... Bruno Mars's contribution to the Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1 original motion picture soundtrack, It Will Rain. If you ever leave me, baby Leave some morphine out my door Cause it would take a whole lot of medication to realize what we used to have We don't have it anymore Remember this song? I do now I had certainly forgotten about it <laughs> Until just now Yeah Was this, Tim, I don't know if you know the history Because I certainly don't This was written for the Twilight soundtrack? That's correct Okay You know, we may talk about this in a <laughs> an episode down the road But... The music of Twilight, uh, yeah, pretty fascinating. And yeah, we honestly should do a whole episode. Yeah, well, we? uh, yeah, we're gonna. Um, but it's funny because <laughs> Stephanie Myers, uh, I remember when she was writing these books, and every you know she was, uh, everyone was talking about it. Um, 
Yeah. She would give all these interviews where she said that she had this soundtrack or this playlist that she would listen to while writing. And it had a lot of, like, cool artists on there. The one I'm remembering most clearly is Grizzly Bear. (laughs) Okay, so she's listening to this cool music, and then uh, along comes the major motion picture, and somebody sourced Bruno Mars? That's funny. I don't know. This is funny. Why would you pick him? (laughs) He did a fine job, but... Right, is it... um is it a badge that you wear with pride that you were handpicked to uh, to be included in the, uh, you know, the indie cool kid pile of, of Twilight music? Yeah. I guess, I mean, probably. I think you probably would have, although, I mean, yeah. from all I can tell. I mean, he didn't turn it down. No, although nobody, Robert Pattinson himself hated being in Twilight, so maybe the shine has dulled. Um but I would have done it. I, I, I can't say I would have oh, turned that down. It's a fine song. It's more reminiscent of his uh, doo-wops and hooligans era music, I would say. Mm-hmm. He was not... Uh, I don't think he had the freedom to uh, just sort of declare that he loved R&B and only wanted to do that. Right. There you go that uh that's show and tell and that's another crackerjack another episode good episode. once again amazing work unreal unreal the streak continues we never miss a monday bet your bottom dollar uh talk to you later buddy talk to you later buddy